Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. If you haven't noticed yet, I'm a huge fan of talking about the Prince of Peace. I'm a huge fan of reinforcing the idea of peace. As Christians, what does that exactly look like? This topic gets me some pushback from Christians nonetheless. It's always interesting to me that this very topic can cause such a debate among folks who follow the very one who taught peace. Today, John Kruger joins me to talk about his journey from angry ANCAP to peaceful Christian anarchist. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you? I am happy you're here. So um, let's start here. Why don't you give us a little background of yourself? You know, tell us anything you want everybody to know about you as you're coming on the show for the first time so they can be familiar with, with uh, John. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in a uh, vineyard church, uh, which is kind of like a charismatic church but it's like more uh modern it's not uh like the old school pentecostal types uh it came out with the jesus movement in the 60s and 70s didn't really really start believing uh into this really take on christianity for myself until like around middle school i would be reading uh scripture for myself and one of the scriptures that stood out to me because i was part of a christian school that was very separatist was uh, first first Corinthians uh, five, uh, I think it's nine through twelve, whatever the end of the chapter. But basically, it talks about how we are to stay away from uh, Christians who lie, cheat, and steal. But we're not to stay away from the world that lie, cheats, and steal, because then we would have to stay away from the world. And that always stuck out to me as something about uh, having grace for people. Also talks about we don't judge people outside of the church. We only judge people in the church. And that's a controversial topic <laughs> right there. Um, and uh, that I've always been kind of a different thinker with my peers, uh, always been curious. When I went down my political journey to see what do I really think about politics, it definitely let, let me down a different road than most people. So with politics, I'm always curious when I get somebody new on the show, how they got to, and let's just put it out there. You're, you're an anarchist. Yep. All right. So what, what happened that made you, there, there had to be a point where you was like, all right, something's wrong here. And then you started figuring something else out. It was like, all right, well maybe anarchy's is away. And so I'm kind of curious about your story, how you got to that point. So like when I was in my, right after high school, instead of going to college, I went to something called a ministry school. Um, it was a small school, about 20 people. And like only three of us were like in our early 20s and 19, 18, 19, 20, you know, everyone else was like older. It's kind of a interesting thing, but it, it's not accredited. It's not the, not like a college or anything, but basically it's like nine months of vacation Bible school for adults. <laughs> um, it was great. I got to meet so many good friends, lifelong friends and being a part of a community like that. But we had a lot of like uh, book readings and Bible readings. And one of the books we read was blue like jazz. And uh, I can't, I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head. Uh, but blue like jazz, basically he um, talks about his journey and one of it, one of it, one part of his journey was in politics and how seeing that Jesus was not a Republican or a conservative in, in that way, you know? He wasn't wearing that MAGA hat. Right, that, you know? That everybody like these names, you know, Trump hanging off the cross with the MAGA hat. That wasn't Jesus, right? Right, exactly. And that was always in my head. And then I became, I came, I grew up in a uh, conservative Christian home. Uh, we, I just knew that Republicans were good guys, Democrats were the bad guys. You know, of course, you know the pro-life issue was big in that. You know, so 
even though they weren't doing anything pro-life, if they said they were doing stuff for babies, unborn babies, then we were on their side. Um, that book got me to be a, basically an independent, and but I didn't even vote, so it didn't really matter. But just like when I talked to people in conversation, I was still very independent. Um, then uh, when I was like uh, 24, 25, I was uh, in between jobs and I was kind of doing some business. I was I was like selling life insurance and stuff like that um, on my loosely affiliated with the group. It was basically on my own as an independent contractor. So I was like doing my own business and I wanted to see what I believed as far as politics go. Cause I was like, Hey, I'm growing up. Maybe I should get involved politically in some way, at least vote. It's the adult thing to do. That's what I did when I was, when I was young with George W. Bush. Oh, I'm an adult now. I must vote now. But you know, that was in 2000 and what? 2000. By then I was already 25 years old. So I decided to grow up at 25 and start voting. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It was just like, it was just automatic for me to believe that voting and all that. This, this is what adults do. Learn about taxes, learn about voting and learn about all that kind of stuff and how to do that. My friend uh, that I knew from the church that I was at ministry school with uh, said he was a libertarian once and he's talked about marijuana. Now I, I think he was, he was, Maybe a constitutional conservative, definitely not libertarian in like the way I, I would say. I remember hearing that where I was like, well, let me, I'm, I was doing this on like YouTube and stuff. And I was like, well, let me see what a libertarian is. And I found all this stuff with like John Stossel and then these, this Ayn Rand thing, uh, documentary on Hulu. And it was one of those things where I was just like really intrigued by it. And Basically, it all kind of clicked because I I was someone that was also going through this period of time looking at the grace of God, you know, in scripture and through prayer, just really seeing God's grace and love and mercy and how, because I had friends, this was, this was the crux of it. I had friends that I was... They were not Christian. Some of them were backsliding Christians, but they were doing drugs and I was with them. I did not do drugs, but I would still hang out with them and at the parties and stuff like that. And I saw I was kind of like the designated uh, sober guy. Right. And I just remember, like, I would never call the police on these people. I would never knock on them. I would never throw them in a cage or do that. But I had something in my mind that was saying, you know, of course we can't have all drugs be legal. Maybe marijuana, but we can't have all drugs be legal. And I was like, huh, these two things aren't matching up. And then it kind of clicked for me. It's like, oh, when we judge the state, which is just people, the same as we judge everyone else, then it kind of falls apart. Um, I didn't go straight into anarcho-capitalism there, but basically just podcasts and books and just it took me about a couple of years to get to that anarchist thing. About once Trump started running, I was an anarcho-capitalist. That sounds very familiar to me because and you mentioned like with the drugs and stuff. I remember when I started getting into libertarian circles and I was in the same mind. I was like, yeah, well, marijuana is whatever. I mean, it's a plant. Why, why are we restricting a plant that grows out of the ground. Then I when I was talking to these libertarians, I was new to the, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Maybe heroin should be illegal because it's bad for people. But then, and then, then you get attacked by libertarians. Like, why? who are you to decide what somebody puts in their body? I'm like, but heroin's bad. Yeah, They should probably be arrested so they're not doing heroin anymore. Well, guess what? When they get out of that cage, they're going back to heroin. And it, it's not you're not you're not a reformative person getting them out of drugs because you're locking them in a cage. You're just punishing them for doing something they decided to do as a free moral agent. That was their choice. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and do heroin. I think it's, I still, to this day, believe that heroin is a horrible idea. Yeah. It's not a recommendation for the bad Roman to say, go do heroin because the state says it's bad. That's not what I'm saying. Don't do heroin. I'm telling you right now, don't do heroin. It's a horrible idea. But I don't think it's fair to punish somebody if they're doing something on their own and they're not harming anybody in the process, anybody else. Yeah, well, Craig, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's something called Romans 13. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that one yet. I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a new one for me. You know, that's uh, that's a new uh, uh, scripture that I did not recognize prior to the Bad Roman Project, <laughs> and it is thrown at me constantly now by folks who want me to understand that I am wrong in my understanding of the of, of the scripture. Right. Yeah, and that's that's a thing too is that I never really took my anarcho capitalist beliefs to scripture. Um I was just like, oh this makes sense. So psh, there you go. And then I knew I knew like love your neighbor as yourself. And I knew it was compatible with libertarianism in some way. But uh for me it was like I kind of had I want to say pacifist, but I before this, you know, if you back up into when I was like in middle school, that's when 9-11 happened. I was in eighth grade. I remember thinking uh, Osama bin Laden needs Jesus. <laughs> you know, I know, I remember thinking, I know it's funny, but like, uh, I don't, I, he doesn't need bombs. He doesn't need war. He needs Jesus. He needs to be, um, he needs the gospel. You know, uh, as naive as that sounds, I think it's pure and, and good. Uh, but so are you, wait, wait a second. Are you telling me that we cannot bomb people into peace? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, you know, um, maybe if uh, you bomb all the sinners in the world, you might get peace. But uh, I don't think there'll be anyone left. There won't be anybody left. So yeah, so maybe <laughs> maybe bombing people into peace is not exactly what Jesus had right. in mind when he was talking about. And that, that's the that's the thing to me is that I remember I had that impulse but the propaganda got to me and i was a war hawk before i can't became more libertarian and that was the last thing i let go was the war stuff it's so funny to me because you know prior prior to my t my first time voting which was george w bush and everybody that listens to this podcast is well aware of my story that's been following it long enough knows my story about this prior to 9 11 i would say that i was a peaceful person it was something i think that was taught from my mom. My mom has always been a, a very peaceful person. And I learned that from her. But 9-11 happened. And the next day I turned into a neoconservative without even knowing what that meant. You know what I mean? So and I, and I found out later when I got into libertarian circles that, oh, they were calling me a neocon. I was like, what the hell does that mean? What is a neocon? Yeah. I'm just saying that they attacked us. We should probably ki go kill them back. Right, right. You know, it, and that makes sense um, to to a lot of people, especially if they, you don't know the history of the Middle East and the United States uh, intervention in the Middle East. Um, but you know, for me, I remember watching my dad watching some TV program around that time, and there was like a bunch of kids and the lady talking about like, "What should we do?" And like, "We shouldn't bomb them." And my dad go, "This liberal bullshit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I was just remembering thinking like, I guess that's wrong. That's a wrong answer because my dad doesn't like it. This is so funny. I, re I remember this so, so clear. I was at, my mom was out with us. It was me and my brother Cade and we were out. And my, Kate, my brother Cade has always been very peaceful and always been kind of a pacifist. And when I talked to him about my pacifism, now he goes, welcome to my world. But he's also a liberal, right? But. I remember this. We were out. We were shooting some pool. And it was during all this time, very early on. And I'm like, we've got to get, stay over there. We have to keep our troops in other countries because otherwise they're going to be over on our land killing us. And my mom looked at me and she goes, enough is enough. We've got to we got to get home. we got to get these guys home and stop meddling in other people's business right now. And I looked at her. I was like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And then tw now, 2022. What's going on? We're still doing the same garbage that is not helping anything. There's no evidence that bombing people into peace will ever work. There's no evidence whatsoever. All it does is piss them off. And it grows more people more angry at your government. 
Right. I think it's funny because with Christians and I, it's hard for me because I have family that are veterans and they're still, they're not like war hawkish, but they're, they were there and they lost some buddies and they, they still, they see it a different way. I want to take that into consideration when I'm talking about it. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of like when it's like we are now uh, the, the nation of Judah or Judea, or whatever in the Bible, when it comes to the Middle East, instead of, you know, uh, a Christian nation, you know, Jesus, who is like, the king is like, this is how you're going to rule, is uh, by washing feet, you know, like, you know, basically, like, uh, well, where it's in a couple different places in the Gospels, they're like, they're arguing, the disciples are arguing about, um, you know, who's the greatest, and whatever, he's like, hey, I'm telling you, you're not going to rule like the pagans rule. You're not going to lord it over other people. But it's like with us, it's like, of course, we're going to go to war and we're going to lord our democracy. I mean, that's what that's what the neocons want. They want to spread democracy like the communists spread communism. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating now when I look back. And I'm so I have a new uh, Facebook page because I got locked out of my other one because I couldn't remember my password. Mm-hmm. So all my Facebook memories from that other po- that other uh, profile would show up from time to time. I was like, who is that guy? This guy's an idiot. And then I was like, oh, that's my memory. Yeah. My Facebook memory. That's me saying that garbage. So I'm thankful for my new my new profile does not have that same garbage. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got the same thing. I think uh, in this kind of leads into the topic uh we've been talking about uh for this is my my transition into peace and anarcho-christian uh, specifically um is that like i was very very argumentative with a lot of people all the time i, I would argue t- with you about how roads we don't need a government for roads because <laughs> i'll be like the first thing um and then like <laughs> Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I would just, I would just be at the bar, just like drinking some whatever local stout or something. And then like making a bartender mad because, you know, I'm like, we don't need a uh, police, man. We don't need police. It's all about the market. It's all about the market. And in fact, you, if you, if you want to do this, you, it's uh violence. <laughs> And all that, uh, you know, it's just like crazy. Yeah, well, you get you get a bunch of libertarians at a bar having some fun, and it always turns to politics at some point when you get a bunch of libertarians at a bar, and then you're going to piss some people off because you're like, uh, yeah. they're like, what are you talking about, you lunatic? We do not, we need, do need the police. We do need roads. We need all this stuff that the government provides. We're like, hang on a second. Yeah. And then it turns into this weird discussion, and, and it still happens to this day. And I, and I, I, I want to touch back on something real quick. You were talking about some buddies that you have that were um, are veterans. I I've lost friends, in my, not not like to death, but in personally, no no more friendship because of my my new understanding of this that are pro military pro and I'm not I'm not pro military. I'm pro getting these people home so we're not they're not coming back in body bags, broken, committing suicide on on a on a rate that is far past how many people were killed in Afghanistan alone. You know, these people are coming back broken. And when I make that point to some of my buddies, used to be buddies, I guess, about it, they think I'm unpatriotic. I'm not supporting the troops. No, matter of fact, I'm supporting these troops so much that I want them home with their families. I want them home and I want them to have some sanity about them because what they're seeing and what they're going through, what they're witnessing in these wars that are, 100% 100% illegal according to the United States Constitution. Yeah. They're, they're, they're being broken. They're coming back broken and it's destroying families. It's destroying their lives and they're destroying themselves. I don't want that anymore. I support these folks so much. I want them home. Mm. And when I say that, it does not mean that we should be sending them overseas to be fighting somebody they would have never met in their life. Right. Because of some rich man in a White House. Is pissed off at another person in another White House, and we're going to fight. Why aren't you going and fighting them? Why are you sending people that are poor to go fight a rich man's war? Yeah, you know, I know that sounds very hippie type talk. I get, it. you know, I would have said that in the past. Well, you're just a hippie when you think something like that. 
But now I'm thinking maybe they were right. Maybe these hippies were right about this. Why are you sending poor people to fight a rich man's war? Why? It's something that Tupac talked about in some of his lyrics. Why are we sending poor men to fight a rich man's war? Why? It makes no sense. And people, and listen, I, I tried to sign up for this after 9-11. I tried to sign up for the Arkansas National Guard to go fight because I wanted to kill people. And I understand the mentality. I understand, all right, we're pissed off. We got to go defend our nation. We just got attacked. I understand that mentality. I was rejected by the Arkansas National Guard because I was four pounds overweight. <laughs> four pounds. They're like, well, you can sign up for the Marines. I'm, like, I'm not doing this full time. I just want to kill somebody part time. <laughs> Come on. I, uh, that's funny, man. I, I, so when I was 21, I lived in Los Angeles and, uh, well, I lived in, uh, Glendale, which is like in that area. And uh, I was trying to do some stuff like music or whatever, but I had like no money, no job. And I had to keep going up to Northern California and to work for my dad and then come back down. You know, I would take a Greyhound, I would walk an hour, blocks to the Greyhound, go up, work for a week or two, take a paycheck back down and go back to my mattress on the floor. Oh, uh, that's how I lived in L.A. for a bit. And I remember wanting to join the military at some point because, well, I felt powerless. And I looked at the military as just something that's, it basically it took what a Christian, uh, you know, it takes like an excuse to not be Christian. Basically, where it was just like, oh, we're supposed to turn the other cheek and love our neighbors and treat them, you know, well, you know, all that kind of stuff we, that we know, like um, the Gospels preach and, you know, Paul talks about Romans 12, especially as well as other areas in Scripture. And it's like we don't have to do that because army and you just think about all the Old Testament verses that, you know, we were able to, you know, David was great because he slaughtered people you know, and whatnot. Um, and I'm not here to throw those verses out. I know there's a lot of Christians that, you know, uh, tend to do that now. And I, I don't, I, I see it differently. Um, the difference between being under law and then under grace. But um, I remember just having that. And then uh, I don't want this sound too woo woo. And I know I come from like a charismatic background. People get scared of this, but I remember having kind of a uh, experience in my mind, let's just say, where I was uh, picturing myself on a hill with all these battle-beaten warriors and, you know, somewhere the enemy, somewhere on our side, and just me seeing the hell of it. And I'm even full of compassion, but it wasn't my own compassion. I felt God's compassion. I was like, I think that was God telling me, like, this is how I see war. It's like I, he has compassion for those who are killed on both sides. And he wants peace. It's so interesting how how Christians will gloss over the, the things that Jesus said and justify war and killing people from something in the Old Testament. And when Jesus Jesus came back, very, very plainly said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. And there's nothing about the life of Jesus, nothing about the life of Jesus that suggests that we should be killing anybody anywhere at any point. And I think this is going to be a good segue. This has been so much fun. I love this conversation. You and I have Message some, you know, and I and I mentioned to you mm -hmm. in messaging that I get beat up quite a bit from fellow Christians about my pacifism, and you you said I've seen <laughs> like you you've watched this, you know, in our discussion group, I guess, or you know, yeah, 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 and in the anarcho Christian group as well, yeah. So so I get beat up quite a bit, and I'm okay with it. Like used to, like you were talking about being at a bar and arguing, having some beers, arguing. Used to, I'd, I would have fought tooth and nail about it, and now I will still, I will still debate. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I back off and just let it just rolls off my back because I know what I'm saying is right. I know it's hard to understand, and it's not, it's not because I'm right. It's because Jesus is right. 
Jesus said this. Craig did not write what Jesus said. Craig did not speak what Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke these words. I'm not. You're not arguing with Craig anymore at this point. You're arguing with Jesus. And if you look at the very the, the first 400 years of Christianity, past the Bible, prior to Constantine, mm-hmm. this was universal. This was right. this topic was universal among the early church about pacifism. Yeah. They were 100 percent uh, pacifists. I almost said universalists. That's not true. They're not all. They were not all universalists, but. It was universal among them yeah. to be peaceful, and they even they even took that so seriously seriously to their death without killing somebody else. They could have they could have picked up a sword and they could have defended themselves like Peter did right. when he cut that Roman soldier's ear off. What did Jesus do? He he healed that Roman soldier's ear mm-hmm. and um, admonished Peter for it. He scolded Peter for it. He did not say that's a good thing, you know. And they were like, well, he did that because it had to be fulfilled. Okay. Are you telling me that Jesus didn't know beforehand that was going to happen? There was a reason why Jesus made a point to point out that that's not how we're supposed to behave as Christians. And Tertullian said, when Jesus disarmed Peter, he disarmed every Christian. Yeah. I, I want to talk about this because we're going to get like recently we've seen uh, in Uvalde, Texas. The, the, the school shooting and the cops not doing what we we would think they were supposed to be doing. Right. Right. And then immediately after that, I've seen Christians on the left, like we have to take all the guns away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. Why are you going, who, who's going to take these guns away and who's going, who are they going to be taking these guns away at the point of a gun? Are you telling me that we're supposed to, and this is not Craig, defending gun violence or any of this. Are you telling me that we're supposed to give all this power and money to the state that had and give them all the weapons to make sure that somebody that else does it has a weapon is not using against it doesn't make any sense. We we should we have to be students of history at some point. The I mean from from the entire time that we've been alive on this con, on this in this world since the beginning of time what has happened when states have all the power, all the weapons, what happens? You you end up with a holocaust. So I would I'll say looking at it that way is still a worldly libertarian view uh, to look at the gun issue. Right. We don't advocate for gun control because gun control is enforced by violence, and it's the system of the world. And we are bearers of God's peace. Basically, we are. We are representatives of the Prince of Peace. So this is why I have been on a theological journey, uh, which has led me to see certain people that have been unlearning the evangelicalism of America and that kind of thing. And sometimes that goes into left-wing politics from white-wing to left-wing politics. But I'll see those people talk about peace, but they'll also misunderstand why people want to lessen um, the welfare state and that kind of thing. They think they want to take food out of people's mouths or something like that or whatever. And I think, and then when it comes to the gun issue, it's like, oh, you just, you don't want to give up your guns. You know, I don't have guns, but I do not uh, advocate for any type of government action in any way. I only advocate for lessening of government action. and. Um, I, I, I tell people this, I asked them this and this, I saw this on a post from Keith Giles. He was talking about the gun thing and I can't remember what he said, but it was more in the comments. I said to someone, how is gun control, um, enforced? I asked Keith Giles the very, the very same question. I, I think I know what post you're talking about. And I asked him point blank. I asked Keith and I love Keith Giles. Everybody knows I love Keith Giles. But he and I disagree on this. And I asked him very point blank. I said, all right, with the, with the, with the book you wrote about Jesus Untangled in mind, I need you to explain this to me, what you're talking about. I said, are you advocating for laws to take people's, take weapons away from people? And he said, yes. 
And I was, and so, and like I said, and I don't, I don't know how much Keith listens to our podcast. I love you, dude. And I, I, I didn't want to, uh, I wasn't trying to point towards Keith. It was just an interaction I had with, with someone of Keith. But yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Cause I said that Keith kind of dropped off the conversation and I went on to another thread with these folks that, that were coming at me about it. And I'm like, hang on a second. I need you to answer this. These folks I was talking to, I need you to answer this very quickly. Very, I want you to understand what we're talking about here. You're saying to take the weapons out of people's hands. We need to put the, the more weapons in the, in the hands of people that are killing unarmed black men. Right. Yeah. So you, you can't disarm people in, in the way of the world, in the way of the state. You know, that's not kingdom because God, Jesus says to feed the poor and then and then he went out and healed people doesn't mean that therefore now we have to advocate for democratic socialist policies um, or uh, gun control uh, when, you know, the guns were beaten into plowshares or whatever, or swords beaten into plowshares. Um, that, that is a kingdom thing done by the Holy Spirit working through people and changing hearts and minds. Right. And this is where I got from Keith Giles. He says that's how we how we go for social change in his book, Jesus Untangled. Um, and so I'm not here to call him out, but I think like there is that section of the left, um, even though they will say they're not left, it's like you, but you never complain about the left. <laughs> I only see you complain about the conservatives, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, there, there are these people out there and they talk about pacifism and I'm like, that is not pacifism. Look, look to your Mennonite brothers, right? You, you mentioned them in your books and you talk Mennonite and Amish brothers. Do they advocate for gun control? No, because they have it written down in their like rules and doctrines and whatever. Like you are not, involved we don't use the state for anything we avoid it as all at all costs and when i say minimize mennonites uh loose because i know mennonites that even do work for the government so it's a it's it's not completely there you know i just mean no i don't know i know exactly what you're saying and it was something and it was also something after the uvalde shooting it was i saw you know shane claiborne i've had shane claiborne on the show and i saw one of his posts and i commented i was like Who's taking these guns away, though? The same people that are shooting unarmed black men. I, I know that sounds like a, a straw man argument, but I think it needs. I think it needs to be recognized that you're you're pissed off at these this happening when uh, when an unarmed black man gets killed by the government. But then on this side, you're like the government needs to take guns away from people, so this is not happening. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and this is the thing, and they they might think we're we're kind of being unfair towards the left, but we know we we go towards the conservatives and the right. You know, if you listen to your show, your your hearts are on conservatives, <laughs> I, I think. Um, and also, but I'm actually here. I want to be harsh on the libertarians. Is where I'm trying to come from, um, as well. So it's not just. The left, the right, it's also the libertarians I'm trying to come harsh at. Th this is the line of thinking that with that is like, how is it enforced if we're going to make it illegal? Okay. And people will say fines, they'll th say all this stuff. Okay. If there's a fine, how is the fine enforced? It's either enforced by the threat of violence or it's not, in fact, effective. No one, people won't give up the guns. And there's no answer to it. There is no answer. The only answer is to, like you were mentioned a while ago, it's through teaching people about peace and people don't want to kill. You know, this is all right. So let's go to the next shooting. in was it Indiana in the mall. I can't keep up, man. Well, there was a, there was a shooting recently and this guy stopped, stopped this shooting. Yeah, he stopped the shooter. And this guy's being called a good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And when I first saw that, I was like, hang on a second. Good Samaritan. That doesn't sound like, what Jesus described as a good Samaritan. Now, I understand, like, he, yes, he probably saved some lives by stopping that shooter. Yes. But he also ended a life as well. And, it, and it's, it's, it's glossed over by Christians when they see this. It's like, well, he saved some lives, but he also ended a life. Why? why? I saw something popped up on my feed the other day. It was a, uh, a gun uh, or, or self-defense training in a church. Yeah. 
they were going to do it in a church. And, I, and it was just, it was one of those things like an ad or something. I called it. I was like, this is disturbing on so many levels, first of all. And then I got hit, dude. I got hit by these people on this, on this, like you said, I, I, I beat up conservatives quite a bit on the show. And I got hit quite a bit from folks on this. I'm like, well, hang on a second. What would what would Jesus do? You remember that? You remember that the, the WWJD? Remember all that back in the day? What would Jesus do? Would he be training people in in, in his church to enact violence? Right, and I think I think people people misunderstand because they think that when you read the Gospels, they don't understand how much danger there was in the ancient world and how much danger they would have been in just in everyday life. Um, it's kind of like walking into a bad neighborhood. Like if you've ever been to a bad neighborhood, you like, know you can get, I live in Memphis. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, you know, if anyone has any idea of what that's like, I mean, it's the ancient world was like that, but worse. The thing is, is like, we're not here to necessarily just, um, be martyrs. We're here to, uh, bring the gospel to people, and uh, I want to before before we get into this, I, w- I kind of want to bring uh, my uh, a little bit of a story of how I came to from what, like the title "Angry Ancop" to "Peaceful Anarchy." Hey, folks, Craig here, and I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors had no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Let's talk about that. How did you become from an angry ANCAP to a, a peaceful Christian anarchist? I, that's what I want to talk about. All right. So in the angry ANCAP phase, I just want to say what, what I mean by angry ANCAP is like, I wanted war with the state. You know, I wanted to wake up enough people to we can look at what, what got me really into libertarianism, and I kind of skipped over this in my story. There's a lot of different factors, but one of them was looking at police videos, police like killing dogs and killing two year olds, going into the wrong house for like a SWAT raid, stuff like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that got me wanting to to rise up and be be someone who's just angry. Also, like wanting to get into guns and you know, defend myself and defend my family. If someone ever came after me, pop, pop, I got him, you know, whatever. Um, and what I'm saying too, is I'm not saying that legally that should be illegal. You know, um, I'm just saying that that's not Christ necessarily. And uh, what happened basically, it was, it was around 2019 uh, when I'm sitting at home working from home for the first time in my life because everything shut down and I'm seeing things go to heck, right? Because of all this government tyranny. And I'm sitting there angry, seething, and I'm imagining this dystopian nightmare, you know, like these SS guards walking around my neighborhood. And, you know, I believe, you know, this was the Holy Spirit. I believe God does speak to us today, although the Bible is an infallible word of God. Okay. But as I was imagining this, I felt something soften up inside me. And I felt, and because I, I was imagining me like gearing up and, you know, whatever. And then I kind of saw it, it, it changed in my mind. I, I, I basically felt the Holy Spirit just be like, hey, wouldn't this be better? And then my imagination softened and I changed. And I started seeing myself in this dystopian nightmare instead of defying the state by like going at them with violence, but defying them as in like keeping me in my house. You're only allowed to be in your house, but then sneaking groceries to people that need it, sneaking <laughs> medical care to people that need it. 
and not being armed, not going after it with violence. If I do get caught, then I bless those who curse me and all that kind of stuff. And when I'm brought before the judges that don't worry about what I say, the Holy Spirit will give me the words to say at that time. And I remember having that uh, experience. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is better. And then that didn't change me right away. It was more uh, fast forward a year, year and a half to where we are now, probably about six months ago. I remember like looking back before I got into libertarianism and all that kind of stuff. And I remember like I used to be a lot more compassionate. I used to have a lot more like peace in my heart about things. Uh, I'm always thinking about politics and always angry. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like they keep doing like if you're a libertarian, like if you're a Republican and you're under Biden, you might be mad. But if you're a Republican under Trump, you might. You're probably pretty happy. But if you're a libertarian, every presidency, you're just <laughs> because they're always doing something to F everything up, you know. And I remember just like thinking, like, this isn't the fruit of the spirit. So I need to take this to the scripture, make this to God. So I did that. And what I did is I dropped the libertarian label for a season. Damn, like, more, I was just more apolitical than I don't even know. And so I was like, I'm going to go with your politics and what you say. So when I went to scripture, I'm like, all right, I started with Romans 13. What does it actually say? And I read it. And I'm like, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> and then I read Romans 12. And then it was like, oh. And then I read Romans 13. Then I read Romans 12. And then I read 11, 12, 13, and 14 all together. All in one swoop. And I was like, oh, the libertarians are right. But our orientation, our heart, our posture of our hearts are different. Uh, being a libertarian is a really about peace. It's having peace between people. And, you know, wanting, you know, that's what property rights and all that kind of stuff. It's really about um, how do we have peace? How, what are these disputes that we have? How do we handle disputes between each other? There has to be a victim. There's all this kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, but it's only one aspect of it. It's not the full picture. And Jesus has the full picture. And so that's when it was like, oh, I feel like, because I was like, oh, I need to buy guns and stuff. And I'm not against people owning guns. It was just like, I was like, wanted to buy guns in order to like uh, self-defense and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I don't know if that's where I want to go, even though I'm not a uh, freaking liberal about it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at as what is the kingdom of heaven and what is Jesus? You know, how does that play? How, what is my life submitted to Jesus look like? That's that word submitted is very key. And it's, it's very key in, in Romans 13. That word submission is said. A lot of people take Romans 13 and they, they see obedience. They see obey. That's not what it says. It says submit. It says submit. And Paul could have used a whole lot of words, but he, he chose to use submit. And it's very different than the word in Acts 5 when, when Peter says we are, are to obey God rather than man. It's very different. And I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with uh, David Bentley Hart. I've been mentioning it quite a bit on this, uh, on this podcast recently because I just, Got his translation of the New Testament from like that is so it's so cool. And it, there was I went to Acts five specifically because I want to know what this translation said in Acts five. And there was one word in this translation that changed everything for me about that. It, it, it when we normally read Acts five, we are to obey God rather than man. In this in in, in this translation, it says it is necessary. That one word necessary changed everything for me. It is necessary that we obey God rather than man. It's necessary that we obey God rather than man. It doesn't say, it doesn't say we obey man and, uh, and God depending on where, where we're at. It says it's necessary we o obey God rather than man. And in, in Romans 13, it says submit. And I get pushed back from a lot of folks when it, when, that are Christians on this Romans 13 thing. And they'll say, no, submission and obedience is the same thing. No, it's not. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, uh, and I, I think uh, I said it in the podcast that you listened to on practical Christology uh, was yeah. we were talking about First Peter too, 
but I was basically saying, like, if that's what you think it means, the next time there's a Hitler, then you volunteer to to the gas chambers. You volunteer to load up the Jews onto boxcars. If that's what you think, that's what that verse explicitly means. And there's no other way to look at it. Then you volunteer that because it doesn't mean America. It means it, it's it's talking about civil governance at all places, all times. It has to be applicable to all places, all times. And so, what does that mean? So the, I'm I'm very, very, very like serious when people start bringing that up because I'm like, look, the <laughs> like you want to say stuff like that, okay? And we're like kind of playing this game, but like just real lives being ruined, real people being affected by this. So when you sit there and say, basically, as an idol, we should obey everything that the state does. You know, like the early church, uh, this is this is the thing. Like, I, I think uh, Stephen Rose, is, if that's his name, the guy who does uh, anarcho-Christian, posted something the other day about how uh, the early church went with Old Communion, and that's a big deal. So if you don't come from a liturgical background, it, it may not seem like it, but um, that's a big deal, in the, especially in the early church with Holding Communion, uh, for people that were, like, of the state. You know, and with my readings of, of the early church fathers, the anti-Nicene fathers, and I'm not throwing away the Nicene fathers and all. I, I Things got messed up with Constantine and whatnot, but I do. I love Athanasius. I love Maximus the Confessor, all those guys um, that came after all that stuff. You know, we're still one family and whatnot, but especially the anti-Nicene fathers. They, that that's, means pre-Nicene, you know, uh, they did have allowance for people in the military. If they were already in the military before they were converted and they were willing to not kill or um, oppress people in their position. So, like, maybe they could be a cook or something. That is something that uh, Keith Giles and I, and I talked, we, I had Keith Giles and Jason Porterfield on very early on in the podcast. And I don't know if you've listened to that one yet, but we talked about it at the very end of that show. I asked them straightforward because these guys know the early church. They, they, I was still learning about the early church at the time. They At the time, I asked them very straightforward. I said, is there any evidence of Christians being involved with the government and they brought this up and they brought what you were just talking about. They brought it up. I said, but, but none of these, these guys that were still involved with the military were carrying weapons. They were there in, in an act of service. They were serving. They were helping those that were, that were injured. They were feeding those that that's what they, they were not carrying a weapon around killing people. All that in you think about, okay, so they were already there. They decided to start following Christ, but they couldn't leave the military or didn't leave the military, but they stopped carrying a weapon. And they were there in an act of servitude. Like Jesus teaches us to be, to serve one another, one another, not to lord over each other. They were there to serve one and to help and to heal. And that, like Jesus was doing, he was there helping, he was there healing, you know? And so that if, when you think about that, when you take all that, take all that in, it's very interesting because that's a lot of the pushback that I get from a lot of Christians these days, you know, just in my personal life is about we need to get more Christians involved with government so we can fix this. I'm like, that's garbage because it, you can't, you cannot put more Christians in, in power is not Christianity. It's a different kind of power. It's the exact opposite of Christianity. And I'm very, I'm very strict about this and I'm very, stubborn about it and i'm very bullheaded no you're you're right i i agree i agree with you i mean it's a it is power it's power we have power by by the holy spirit and jesus has power but it's not political power political power is course of power it's basically you do this or something bad will happen don't do this or this something bad will happen or something good will be taken away and yeah that's definitely not like I told you I come from like a more charismatic background and uh, which I am charismatic, believing the gifts of spirit are for today, but I'm in a more liturgical sense. I'm in part of an Anglican church. Uh, so we're not as uh, crazy out there with all this stuff, <laughs> uh, you know, 
in the charismatic uh, realm, uh, you would say there's something called seven mountain theology, which basically says there's seven mountains. Uh, you know, there's different industries and education, government, and business and entertainment. And there's these different seven mountains then that Christians need to overtake these seven mountains of society. And then we will have like some, I don't know, I can't even remember. And it's all based on all these, like, it's always like so-and-so had a vision and this other person, they don't even know each other. They had a vision of the same thing, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, but that doesn't sound like Jesus. And I don't, I don't want, want you to take over entertainment. <laughs> I don't want you to. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to find something in this book and it it reminded me of something when I was mentioning the the conversation I had with Keith and and Jason Porterfield. You know who Polycarp is? Yes. We we understand that he was taught directly by the apostle John. Yes. Yes. And I mentioned this in this episode. I cannot find it in the book. And before we close because I want Christians listening to this who are mad at Craig Mad at the bad Roman and mad now mad at John Kruger. <laughs> I want you to take this to heart. Polycarp, right before they were going to, going to execute him, they wanted him to denounce Jesus as his king and claim Caesar as his king. And Polycarp said, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish I could have pulled it up and found it, but he said, 82 years. Maybe I'm paraphrasing 82 years. I have served him and he has done me no harm. Yeah. Why would I denounce him now? And that's all paraphrase. I promise. So this entire time he knew he was fixing to be killed. As a matter of fact, they set him on fire and it didn't consume him and they had to stab him to death. But he knew leading up to that, he was fixing to be, be martyred. He said, 82 years I've served him. and He's never done me any harm. Why would I denounce him now? Why are we as Christians now denouncing Jesus Christ as our king and seeking another king who will do nothing but harm anybody else? And I mentioned this in that episode. I said, show me one spot that the state does anything that does not harm somebody somewhere in some fashion, and I'll eat your hat. And both of them were silent. And he's like, well, I can't think of anything. I said, because you can't. There's not there's not anything the state does that does not harm somebody in some fashion somewhere. Yeah. It may look like they're helping you, but at the same time, while they're helping you, they're harming somebody else by helping you. Yeah. It's a fallacy. The the the, the, the idea of the state uh protecting us, being our protector, is a fallacy. And we got to get away from that. We have to get away from that. We have a king, we have Jesus Christ as our king. The only one that wants us, wants the best for us. Why are we seeking this, this, this worldly kingdom? It makes no sense. It makes no sense at this point. We should be able to look over the past two years, past hundreds of years, and look at what the state has done to people and realize, oh, they don't really have our best interests in mind. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's very important for Christians, especially us anarcho-Christians and those who see it, it um, is to really get to the bottom of what state action is and what it does. I I see too many times, like I've seen too many people where they go, they they get some awareness that the wars are bad, and then then you find out like they're, they're pro- posting like Bernie Sanders and all this kind of stuff, and they're just all on and it's like just another politician or whatever and like look i would want i pray for the government as we're commanded to to pray for the leaders of of the state you know i want them to end wars and i want them to do the that kind of stuff but the the thing is is that jesus's work is so powerful and so fundamental that it changed the cosmos just people need to hear the message I've become so cynical over the past two years. And I understand what you just said, that we're commanded to pray for them. I don't anymore. Yeah. You know what I want? I pray for them to go away. I pray for the state to end. That's that's not, that's fair. 
we see peace is for the state to end. And people's like, well, it's going to be chaotic if there's no state. I'm like, really? It's being, being chaotic and they're causing the chaos. Right. So I don't pray for them. To, I don't pray for them to do the right thing anymore. I don't, I, because it's, it's to me, I, I've been told that we're supposed to pray for them and pray that they do the right thing. No, I'm not doing that anymore. I've tried it. It doesn't work. God's not answering that prayers. I think the only way this ends is if we walk away and start following him. We start following Jesus. That's how they go away. That's how we how we find peace. We walk away from that garbage. I'm not praying for him anymore. Yeah, we walk, we do walk away from that garbage. And like, no, I, I'm definitely not like, oh, we need a better pray to have a better state. It's more for their salvation and for them to come to the revelation of Jesus. Well, they've heard about him. They they talk about him all the time. They know who he is. I mean, it's about a different conversation. I don't know if American Christians as a whole have really heard the gospel. Um, I think we've heard a, a Christian, uh, an American folklore gospel. 100%. No, I, I completely <laughs> agree. And I, I was told the other day in, in this uh, some thread that I got involved with, uh, Craig some, should sometimes just lock it up. And walk away and not talk to some folks because it gets pit Craig pissed off. But I was told the other day in one of these threads that because I was sharing early church quotes, I was sharing these folks who were taught by the apostles. <laughs> and this guy said, well, I'm under a man of God and you should find one, too. You should find a church who is a man of God. I'm like, I just quoted early church fathers. And you're telling me that I need to find somebody who's a man of God and, and you're in your American Christ Christianity? No. Man, I'm not saying they don't exist. I've talked to them. I know they exist. I know they're out there. They're, they're very few and far between. That's not what I'm saying. I know there's I know there's pastors out there that are trying to do the right thing. What I was trying to point out is this is what they were saying very early on, and this is what you're saying. I'm going to take their words over your man of God that you're saying that I should be following. If he's contradicting what these folks were saying, I don't want to hear it because I know that they were a lot closer to the situation than we will ever be. And I'm not saying they had it all right. They were human beings. They screwed a lot of things up. I'm not, I'm not holding them to the standard of Jesus. <laughs> I'm not holding Paul to the standard of Jesus. What I'm saying is they were a lot closer to the situation, and we need to get back to that. If we can just get back to that, we can be a little, a little closer to the situation, and maybe we can figure this mess out because what we're doing right now as Christians is not working. It's not working. Yeah. It's not working. We have to change course and get back to Jesus. Yeah, I think I think that's too uh that's very true. And we talked a little bit in our chat uh when we were setting this up about the Reformation and a little bit. So we were talking about a little bit how uh we have Peace teachings of Jesus and the early church were rarely captured by the Anabaptists. Yeah. But they did uh, reject the grace teachings of Paul and the other, you know, they, it was basically you follow the teachings of Jesus basically as a new law, um, which led to different things. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit blessed them for sure. Um, but at the same time, the you know, look at the the German German church with Martin Luther. You know, there's a lot of grace, a lot of good stuff in there. But um, you know, they're killing people. Right when I hear <laughs> when I hear that phrase Reformation, and I when our, our recent episode with uh, with Jordan from Regular States Nowhere, he mentioned Reformation, and when I hear that word, I cringe. But he wasn't using it the way that I'm used to hearing it, and. Abby even mentioned, like, we're seeing a reformation. And then I was like, oh, I know what they're talking about now. When I hear that word, I'm like, hang on a second. And it was something that the guy, Peter from Rival Nation, said on the episode. He goes, they did a lot of good things, but they didn't go far enough back. Like, they stopped with John Calvin and didn't go back to the first 400 years. Why? That's what I'm confused about. Here's, a, here's the thing about that. The reformers, they go back to the early church. With the state, it's a blind spot for them. And that's where the Radical Reformation, now the Radical Reformation had a lot of violent people as well. Um, but let's focus on like the Anabaptists that were peaceful and that turned into the Mennonites, Hutterites, uh, and eventually became like Amish and whatnot. Uh, they were definitely, definitely uh, 
doing some good stuff with the peace teachings there. Um, and but I think that's what we're seeing now is it's all kind of coming together. So you have, and even in the Catholic Church, like fundamentally reformed, there's the Counter Reformation. It was all it all changed, and the Counter Reformation was the mysticism of the monks and the monastics there. And there is a lot, lot of good St. John of the Cross. And I'm seeing that now uh, with, with a lot of church people are recapturing um, the mystics. Uh, they're capturing the church fathers. They're recapturing um, the grace teachings of, of what the gospel is. And then also with that, you know, the peace teachings. I don't think we should uh, have too much emphasis on one or the other. I No, I agree, man. And I, and I, I pick on my Calvinist brothers and sisters because I, I'm a start, a start my nature. Like I said, when I hear that word, it triggers something in my mind. And I, and I, before, before I should think before I speak sometimes when I, when I, when I hear that word, because it's not always being used the same way that Craig's hearing it in his head. Because when I hear Reformation, I'm like, oh, we're just talking about Calvinists now. No, not necessarily. Yeah, well, that's a Reformed would is like another word for like Calvinist or whatever. But there are Reformed that wouldn't necessarily be Calvinist. And I have Calvinist friends that that listen to this show, and I love you guys with my whole heart. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to to start a dispute. I just I just don't agree. And that's it's something I had with Gregory, Gregory Bouse on the show. Yeah, and there, there's a lot that Calvin said. So there's some things that in there that you probably really agree with. Um, you just have to go sifting. Oh yeah, it. I'm sure. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not with the Calvinists. I would actually, where I come at theologically, would be Athanasian Reformed, which is basically uh, T.F. Torrance was came from a Reformed background, but he went through uh, the Eastern Fathers instead of the Western Fathers and. It's really interesting stuff. See, I don't know anything about all that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, but I don't know anything about that. That's what... well. If you if you're curious, uh, you know, maybe it's something you can look into. Well, I'm always <laughs> curious about something. When I get curious about something, people always send me stuff to read. If anyone out there is wanting to see where I come at theologically, there's a blog called Athanasian Reformed by Bobby Grow. He's really good on that. Uh, it's if you're inter- is there's if there's anyone out there that's like Protestant, but they're you're also really interested in Eastern Orthodoxy, but you don't necessarily you think there's something missing there, you don't necessarily want to go Eastern Orthodox. The Athanasian Reformed is a really good spot, and this is the Mediation of Christ by uh, T. F. Torrance is, was very impactful for me uh, theologically, uh, but that's just a it's not you're not having anarcho Christian stuff from there. But I think it does start with the atonement and Jesus and and what his work was. I mean, that's why we are peaceful. Uh because because of who he is. Uh I, yeah. it just goes back to Jesus. It just goes right back to Jesus. If we get back to that guy mm-hmm. and listen to what he was saying in the very beginning and not glossing over the things that Jesus was actually saying. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, love your God with all your heart, right? The very basic teaching. Which is impossible to do. Right. And you, like you said, it's it's impossible to do. Like, it's impossible to follow that. Maybe, maybe. Not in, in this in this world, it's, it seems impossible. But if you're striving for that, if you're working towards that, you're working towards good. You're not working towards violence. You're not working towards anger. You're not... Like, not working towards hate. You're working towards peace. Right. And that's what this whole podcast today is about. We're working towards peace. I want you to uh, plug anything you want to plug. You know, I know you're, you're working with another guy on another podcast. If you want to, if you want to plug that or anything else you got going on, plug it and then I'll let you get out of here. Yeah. So my, my, uh, my buddy has a podcast called practical Christology. I'm on there sometimes, but he, we really talk about, um, I have one episode talking about the state and stuff, but we, we really talk about the work of Jesus and what it actually means in our life. I have a podcast um, that is not yet out. Uh, it's called Life, Liberty, and Liturgy. So if you guys want to look that up, um, I'm not sure how long it will take for that to get out, but it should be out soon. 
Our Twitter is at LifeLibLitPod. TikTok, I'm pretty active on TikTok. If you want little shorts about anarcho-Christian stuff, it's called at the power in peace. Awesome. Awesome. All right, buddy. I really appreciate your time, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to do this again, and I really enjoy our interactions, you know, through messaging and stuff, you know, and social media and stuff. I really enjoyed speaking with you. You've got a, you've got a great mind. You've got it, you've got it going on. And I, and I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate where you came from, where you're at now, and you're still working. We're all a work in progress. And I love that about you. And I love that about everybody that's trying to work through all this stuff as we all are. Yeah. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.